0: If you had to come up with one gift, one or two, that really cause more controversy than anything else, obviously, it's really quite simple. We would choose tongues and prophecy. So that is precisely what we will look at here today on Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely. Hi there. Welcome to our program. Today, we continue our journey through 1 Corinthians. We're in chapter 12, taking a look at the gifts of the Spirit. Today we focus in on chapter 12 and we will also incorporate chapter 14 as Pastor Layton gives us a comprehensive look at tongues and prophecy. Now We'll just get things started today and reserve the rest of the program for Monday and Tuesday of next week, so make sure you join us then. For now,
1: let's catch up with Pastor Layton on today's broadcast of Study Verse by Verse. So today we want to cover the gifts of tongues and prophecy. These are some of the more controversial spiritual gifts in the church today, and that's been true throughout the 20 centuries of Christian history. In fact, they had a problem with them back in the early church. That's the reason why the Apostle Paul had to spend the better part of three chapters addressing this issue and clarifying their nature and use. So let's begin with the the gift of tongues. The word that's used in the New Testament in the original language, it's translated tongue, is actually the word language. And uh, it's, it, it, unfortunately, uh, the translators chose to use an expression that's not ordinary in the English language. If if they had instead chosen to translate it speaking in languages, it would not have seemed so strange to us, and it would have been closer to the sense in which the first readers The church at at Corinth were reading uh, these instructions. Now, there are different languages. Uh, There's English and Spanish and Tagalog and Mandarin and Cantonese and many more. In fact, Paul indicates that there is a language used by angels, a heavenly language, and we're going to look at that as we, uh, as we study our passage today. In his superb book on systematic theology, Wayne Grudem wrote, We may define this gift as follows, Speaking in tongues is prayer and praise spoken in syllables not understood by the speaker. And this definition indicates that speaking in tongues is primarily speech directed towards God, that is, praise or prayer. Therefore, it is unlike the gift of prophecy, which frequently consists of messages directed from God towards people. Now, there are two extreme positions that some churches and some church leaders hold that we don't espouse to here at Church of the Highlands. And I must say that, that, that sometimes they are, are held by very well-esteemed church leaders. Uh, One of the positions is that every believer must speak in tongues. If you don't speak in tongues, you're not saved. And that's a position held by uh, many Pentecostal pastors and churches and denominations. The reason that we at Church of the Highlands don't espouse that particular position is it's contrary to Scripture. The Apostle Paul makes that absolutely clear in 1 Corinthians 12, 29 and following when he asks this list of rhetorical questions. Are all apostles? And the obvious answer is... No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. But some do. And so that's why we don't hold that position. Uh, The other position is the other extreme, which is that no one should speak in tongues because tongues have ceased. It's called the cessationist uh, view. And one of the uh, texts that is used as a proof text to support this position is found in our reading today. So when we get there, I'll point it out to you. So we reject both of these positions because they don't correlate with the teaching of Scripture. Now, part of the reason for the controversy is confusion about By not knowing um, or distinguishing between various forms in which the gift of languages or the gift of tongues can be expressed. There are three different ways that the New Testament describes the expression of tongues. First, it says that tongues can, can be a prayer language. 1 Corinthians 14.14 says, If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So Paul is describing a prayer that's not coming from his mind, but it's coming from his spirit. And it's not expressed in human language, but rather a spiritual language. So tongues can be a personal prayer language. A second expression of the gift of tongues is when God speaks to His people, an assembly of people, through a Spirit-filled believer, using a heavenly language, and the Scriptures are quite clear that when this takes place, it should always be accompanied by interpretation. And again, that's also found in our teaching today, so when we get there, I'll point that out for you as well. There is a third expression of the gift of tongues, and that's when God grants a believer the ability to speak in an earthly language that they did not learn. When I was growing up, my grandpa, who was a great preacher, uh, told me a story about he stood up in the pulpit one time to preach, opened his mouth, and what came out didn't make any sense to him. But he sensed that the Holy Spirit was speaking through him, so he didn't quench the Holy Spirit. And uh, when he finished speaking, there was a man in the church that got up into the aisle, came forward, and asked Grandpa, when did you learn to speak the language of the Navajo Indian? And my grandpa said, I've never learned. I didn't know even what I was speaking. And the guy said, you spoke in exquisite language. You were speaking the glories of God, and I need to get right with God. And that night or that afternoon, whenever it was, that man made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ. Grandpa didn't know that language. but that, That man knew that that was a message for him. There's another example of this, and that's found in the New Testament in the book of Acts, chapter 2. The believers had gotten together. They were praying. It was on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit came. There was a great commotion, and the believers started speaking in tongues. And, and uh, they were speaking in tongues. There was, there was a, a group of devout Jews from all over the Roman Empire who were there in town on that day for uh, an event and the commotion caused them to come together and they heard these Galileans and Galileans are not particularly known for linguistics or education but they heard these Galileans speaking in languages that were from all across the Roman empire and as a result of that event there was 3000 people that became believers that day and became part of the church so uh, it's a it's a it's a miraculous gift that God gives, the instant ability to speak in a a language that somebody else knows, but we never learned. Um, Now, let me tell you a little bit about why languages uh, are, are, are important in the history of redemption. Before Adam and Eve fell, there was one language. After Adam and Eve fell, there was still one language. But people were no longer living to glorify God, be obedient to God. They were being disobedient. They were being rebellious. In fact, they got so rebellious that God came down at uh, the Tower of Babel, and what he did is he says, I'm going to confuse their languages. I'm going to send them out and so they can't work together in rebellion against me. Okay, now that's the history on, on languages, where they, they came from, and so forth. Let's skip ahead. We look at the book of Revelation and other uh, insights into the future, and languages are not going to be an issue when we get to heaven. I don't know if we're all going to speak one language, or we're just going to understand each other. I know the, the detail, but it's not going to be a problem. So then, coming back now to this New, Te- New Testament era that we live in, speaking in tongues, this gift that, that God gives us, is a partial uh, foretaste ...of what it's going to be like. And the reason for that is because we're no longer living in rebellion against God. We're living for God's glory. and He wants us to be able to work together. So he gives us the ability to bypass some of the distinctions, differences... ...and the inability to work together because of tongues. So that's a historical perspective on on tongues. Now let's let's take a look at the gift of prophecy. Um, Again, much of the controversy related to this gift is from confusion as to which expression of prophecies being discussed, and from which dispensation. I've used two words there, expression and dispensation. So let me clarify. Uh, Expression. When I use the word prophecy, most of us probably think in terms of foretelling. That is, telling about some event that has not yet happened. Foretelling an event. About uh, 25% of the Old Testament foretold events that would take place after it was written. Now, why is that? Well, God... And only God knows the future. And so God would tell his prophets to tell the people, write the people uh, about events that were going to happen. And he did so in such exquisite detail, with such exquisite accuracy, that people could say, ah, this is the word of God. It is proven by the fact that it was recorded before the event and recorded the event uh, accurately. In the Old Testament, we have, for instance, over 300 prophecies concerning Jesus uh, we knew exactly where he was going to be born. You remember when the wise men from the East came, they asked the religious leaders where to go, where he would be born. They knew exactly where he was going to be born, a little city of about two, three, four hundred people, about six and a half miles from Jerusalem. Uh, they knew where, where he was going to be born, that he was going to be born of a virgin, uh, where he would live, he was going to go to Egypt, how he would minister, how he would be betrayed by a friend and sold for 30 pieces of silver. How he'd be handed over to the Gentiles, scourged, tried, executed on a cross. And that cross was described in exquisite detail centuries before crucifixion was even conceived or created here on earth. That he would rise again on the third day and he would provide salvation for all who believe. And so much of the Old Testament is prophetic in nature foretelling God's plan for the redemption of mankind. So prophecy means foretelling, but it also means forth telling that is telling forth what god has already revealed in that regard biblical preaching is prophetic in nature because it is telling forth what god has already revealed in his scriptures a biblical preacher can recite the scripture confident that thus saith the lord so prophecy can refer to either foretelling or forthtelling and now let's talk about dispensation In the Old Testament dispensation, prophets were the spokesmen of God, and they spoke with the highest authority. They were the ones through whom God gave to us the Old Testament. They were the prophets such as Moses, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, and others. They had an amazing responsibility. They were able to say and write the very words of God that had divine authority. They could say, thus saith the Lord... And and what they were saying was exactly what God would say. And therefore, to disbelieve or disobey them was to disobey or disbelieve in God. According to Gerhard von Rod, the phrase, Thus saith the Lord, appears about 221 times in the Old Testament. And when when the prophets spoke on behalf of God, they were giving us the Bible. They were the highest authority, Thus saith the Lord. You don't find that phrase, Thus saith the Lord, in the New Testament. The closest we have is, Thus saith the Holy Spirit. Now, another thing was the prophets of the Old Testament were proven by the accuracy and consistency of their predictions. Let me give you these instructions that are found in Deuteronomy chapter 18. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth. And he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words, that he shall, re- that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. What's God saying? He's saying, if I put words in a prophet's mouth and he quenches it, I'm going to deal with them. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die.
0: Well, I guess we know where the Lord stands on false prophets. This has been Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely as we have explored the spiritual gifts, specifically tongues and prophecy. It's nice to have a balanced view from God's Word on what these gifts really are, isn't it? To learn more, join us at highlands.us online, highlands.us. Have a great weekend. Be found in the Lord's house this Lord's Day, and we'll see you on Monday for another broadcast of Study Verse by Verse.